So I get it straight away and I gun past all five deputies and took primary and we turn on to this back to the west or to the east. And uh, after he got one of his tires spiked there at that intersection and uh, had a window and I start moving in for the for the pit. And he actually kind of pitted himself, really. He moved right back into me and spun himself out. And rolled a couple times, real low speed roll. I'm yelling him at a gunpoint, you know, get your hands up. And he puts his hands up and a few seconds later, the little girl's hands come up in the backseat. Welcome back to the Snitch Podcast, Episode 7. It's the first episode of 2021. It's January 2nd. We took a little break for the holidays, and here we are. Even though it's 2021 for us, it's still the year of the Chinese dumpster fire. No, no, it's the, it's the Chinese year of the dumpster fire. All right, because the Chinese New Year doesn't start till February 12th, 2021. So we're still in it, folks. We still have some shit to get over before the New Year starts. And remember when this shit all started, right about February. Okay, so as promised, I want to give a shout out to Mel Yuri, our one and only listener in Australia. She is an ultra triathlete. And she's been on a few podcasts. Rich Roll, for one. I think she's been on there twice. Once with Danny Grable. The first and second women to have completed Epic Five, which is a five-island, five-Ironman race in five days in Hawaii. And Mel is also the first woman to complete Uberman. What is Uberman? Uberman is... There's no breaks, so you just you do it all at once. Twenty-one Wait, mile swim. What? No shit. Yeah, really. Yeah, there's no breaks. That's fucked up. It's not a stage race. Uh, twenty-one mile swim, the Catalina Channel, followed by a four hundred mile bike to the starting point of Badwater in Death Valley, the lowest point in the U.S. Followed by a hundred thirty-five mile run over the Badwater course which ends at Whitney Portal. So she's the first person to do that. Wait, was she the first person to do it? or First first woman to do it. Okay. Which is, I mean, that, what, whatever, regardless of whether you're male or female or whatever, that's, that's fucking hard. Yeah, it's not a small undertaking at all. So she's pretty badass. Mel, can't wait to see you again. Thanks for listening. There's a shout out. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to everybody else in the country who's been listening. Uh, we have the the usual suspects in California and Oregon, and um, but we're picking up some southern states. Virginia, Virginia might not seem it's like it's like it's the South, but it actually is. Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana. Thanks, guys, for listening. I know who a few of you are. I appreciate it. So, uh, let's talk about our guest. Our guest is what you could describe as humble. And uh, somebody that does the job without um, 
accolades. He, he's a guy that gets the job done. And it was kind of hard to get him to talk. It was. I mean, he wanted to talk. He was here. Like, he knew what it was about. But because he's so humble and he doesn't want to talk about himself, he's got so many good stories. But it was hard to get him out of them. And uh, no matter how much whiskey we tried to feed him. <laughs> but he's a, a recently promoted patrol supervisor with uh, well over 20 years of experience. He started off as a jail deputy. Um, and then he went to a larger department where he was a canine handler. And he's got a ton of canine stories. Did He had a lot of canine stories. A lot more than any of the other guys that we've talked to so far which I thought was awesome. He also talked about a handful of different uh, pit maneuvers or TVIs. You know, some of the other people that we've had on have been detectives and they have had, you know, investigative stories. This guy's worked patrol uh, mostly his entire career. And so his stories are immediate. Like they're happening right now, like capturing a homicide suspect, being in a pursuit, uh, where he TVIs a kidnapping suspect, getting shot at. This is this is good stuff, and this is the stuff he didn't. He wanted to talk about it, but it was hard to get him to talk about. Uh, we want to thank him, just tons for being on here. It was it was a good episode. It was great. Yeah, it was good and it was fun. Here we go, episode seven of the Snitch Podcast. Enjoy. Two Adam 21, two Adam 22, two Adam 11, and two Adam 12 regarding a gunshot wound victim at 333 North 58th Street. 333 North 58th Street. Shots fired in the cafeteria at Thurston High School. How long have you been at this? Uh, with my corrections time, uh, a little over 22 years. Oh, shit. I totally forgot about that part. Yeah. So how long were you in corrections? Four years. So you did four years correction. Then you went, how long were you at the, the bigger 15 agency? Fifteen and a half. At the bigger agency. And yeah. how long have you been at this one? Uh, I'll be three coming up in March. And you're a brand new supervisor. Yeah. So how, what's, so the totals, what did you say, 22? A little over 22. Yeah, yeah. right on. Yeah. Good deal. Downhill slope. <laughs> how I much can, longer? I can see it. Can you? Three and a half. And what shift are you on? Uh, days right now. Not good. Really? Yeah. I'm not a day shift guy. My entire career has been on either swings or a graveyard. Yeah. But you got to do it as a supervisor. <laughs> oh, you got it. You have, they have me on day watch so they can keep an eye on you. Yeah. That's what they did with all the new guys. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you got for him, Riley? Uh, I don't know. When? So what did you do first? You said you were working fire first? Uh, I did a lot of volunteer and then okay. yeah, did some EMS stuff, worked okay. on a, an ambulance for a little while. And then what turned you on to police work? I don't know, just a change. Just a champ, kind of an adrenaline junkie, I guess. Of course, that's waning the older I get, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like with everything else. Okay. How old were you when you got into the, the whole EMS thing? Um... Yeah, it was probably when I was 19. Okay. I just started volunteering and with the fire department. And 
working my way in in uh, EMT school. Just kind of that. My 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 ambition at the time was to obviously go to the fire service, but I got hit upside the head somewhere and took a different path. <laughs> <laughs> the fire guys get waved out with all five fingers. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but it's uh, you were just telling us that your your fire service actually came in handy on a call. It did. Yeah. It did. So let's hear about that. I know you already spoke about it once, but oh, it's just uh, it was a it came in as assist the fire department. Uh, we went and uh, they said that they had a uh, shots were fired at this location, and one of the firefighters was unaccounted for. That's what we were dispatched. So we're obviously we're running balls to the walls to get there and so we can help out and it was kind of interesting the three of us that arrived there we're running to the red hot fiery glow and the fire guys are running the other way it was kind of weird <laughs> <laughs> but uh the circumstances dictated that so uh and when we got there we still didn't know where this firefighter if he was accounted for yet or not um so we get there and to find a threat and uh, we took some rounds as well. Uh, guy was shooting with a shotgun. Um, took some rounds, and uh, ultimately uh, he ended up ending his own life. And so then we were calling for the fire department. They weren't coming back right away. And uh, having some volunteer fire service experience, I knew my way around the fire truck, and I got the hose, one of the hoses they'd already pulled. I got that charged and uh, started putting water on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> your ar slung that's pretty funny yeah had the ar slung the funniest the funnier thing was about battalion chief was parked right behind me in the driveway watching that that's pretty funny um so yeah kind of tell us about the the some of the details and of that call like you and i have talked about it you and i talked about it a few months ago but like how's the house end up on fire so the the guy that was shoot doing the shooting um he actually started his own house on fire and then, well, prior to doing that, he parked a couple houses down. It was at a vacant house. And that's where he parked his car in the driveway. And uh, and that's basically was his cover. So when the fire department showed up uh, at the, you know, at the call of the house fire, he pops around the corner from his car and starts shooting at them. Uh, obviously wanted his house to burn to the ground because he didn't want the fire service there either. So that's what I'm assuming. So did the flames from that house catch the other houses on yeah. fire is that what happened yeah the, yeah while well, we're dealing with this threat the fire service wasn't going to come in there and you know do anything with it until the threat was neutralized and so the house just i mean the street here the houses are pretty tight together so they're just jumping from rooftop to rooftop the houses or the fire was the flames and it ended up burning three totally to the ground and then a fourth one was heavily damaged so they ended up just mowing that one down too when it was all said and done and so yeah, I took out four houses. <laughs> so that guy's that guy's not in his house. He's down the street shooting from cover from a car. Yeah, yeah, he was behind his Prius. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's in that Prius. Prius for cover. Yeah. So so then so then what happens? You guys show up and <clears throat> well, once we uh you know we started taking fire as well. Uh, as we're moving up to try to find it, we had neighbors that were pointing across the street to the north side of the street. To, you know, he's over there. He's over there. He keeps shooting, and we're trying to find him. And of course, it's in the middle of the night. It's dark, and uh, that street isn't very well lit, anyways. And 
you know, our first thing was we we're gonna try to neutralize this guy, we keep him from shooting at us. Um, ultimately he took his own life, but uh once all that was, you know, all taken care of and we try to get the, the fire guys back to start finding a fire and eventually they, they did and they came running back around the corner, but <laughs> Took him a few minutes. What well, in, in in the the subsequent investigation? What was this guy's issue? Uh, I think there was some he'd been under investigation or or, or looked at with some uh, maybe some child abuse uh, kind of uh, if I remember right, that's what I think was going on. He was abusing some minor children or something like that. Like, but I can't remember. I, oh, so he took a totally different yeah <laughs> path to. <laughs> take care of that i guess i, I mean, guess I yeah wow huh that's a story yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh see that would be the third time in my career i've been shot at so no no kidding the <laughs> yeah. third time <laughs> yeah you and i talked about i think two what's the first one uh the first one was a guy in the bigger agency i worked for uh, was firing rounds randomly in a mobile home park where he lived and so patrol, we're all getting there, scurrying to get there. And uh, as I'm getting my AR out of the back of the, the patrol car, uh, I could hear him shooting in the mobile home park. And, of course, we parked out on the main road. And me and a younger officer start running in uh, to go deal with it. And we get we get kind of, I guess, stopped by gunfire as he's shooting. And, you know, branches are breaking above our heads and stuff's falling on top of us as we're taking cover behind cars. And... Ultimately, I, uh, we form a line at this area where we're, we're kind of basically face-to-face with his trailer, which is, I mean, it's still about 100 yards away or so. Uh, but every once in a while, I could see Flash coming out the windows. He had, he had shot out all his windows with this gun, his shotgun. It was a shotgun as well. And uh, every once in a while, I'd see Flash, and, but I couldn't pick him up fast enough in my scope to, to shoot back at him because then he'd disappear. I was starting to get pretty pissed off at that, <laughs> getting shot at. I told the supervisor, I said, I'm going to get closer, see you later. And I start jumping fences and basically take the dark path to where I was basically one trailer away from his. And I had a picture, a view of all his windows. I'm like, all right, come back now. Of course, he never did. And then the SWAT team showed up and took care of it. So <laughs> he gave up. <laughs> Yeah. He was just high on meth and thought the bikers were outside trying to get him. It's what it ended up being. And I actually went out there and took photos uh, later on, like he was in custody. And mm. of that trailer, holy smoke, that guy shot the living shit out of that yeah. thing from the inside out. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's holes in, in the side yeah. panels. I mean, just blown out walls and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, have, I have photos of that somewhere <laughs> on one of my one of my dead iPhones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That wasn't yeah. that long ago. I know, five, six years ago, maybe. Yeah. So, what's the second time? I was trying to think of that. I know it's been three times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, after twenty-two plus years, you start forgetting stuff. You know? <laughs> Getting the Joe Biden syndrome, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I'll have to think of that. How long was the academy when you went? Was it still twelve weeks? Um, no, when I went through the academy. Um, it was actually when they're allowing bigger agencies to do the regional academies. Oh yeah, that's right. So I did it. I did it within the city, and it was actually with the the in house academy, and then the actual um, police academy. It was twenty two weeks. Oh my gosh! But it was a combined. You know, we did part of it was a department sanctioned, right. a little pre academy, and then 
Yeah, and then you the went up to... 16 weeks. No, never did. We stayed local. Oh, really? The bigger agencies were allowed to hold them uh, at their department because was, there was enough people, and, and it was sanctioned through DPSST, but... Yeah, held it there. Got to go home every night, which was nice. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So as a supervisor, I don't imagine you're getting in very many pursuits anymore. Um, no. Well, you know, it just depends on the time of day. I mean, you know, we still have pretty low numbers as far as patrol-wise, patrol strength uh, in, you know, in relation or if you look at like the bigger agencies, I probably have three times the number of officers that we do on it given shift. Um, so sometimes, you know, if you're in the right place, the right time, you, you get, if you're in there, Oh, I do miss that though. It's fun. <laughs> right. So what, what's a, what tell me, a, tell us a memorable one. I mean, I'm sure there's a few, uh, the one that's the biggest memorable one was the, in 2009, that little girl got kidnapped up. Oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah, it was, tell a, us that. it was a sheriff's office, uh, call. Um, I happened to be on the dog team back then. I was a canine handler and I was the only dog working in the city that day. And I actually came in for overtime and I was listening to this call and I went, I was heading over to the city shops to get fuel. <clears throat> I'm listening to this call kind of transpire cause I used to scan, you know, the County and being a dog guy so I can get into more stuff. Um, just listening to it and they gave a description of a vehicle and ended up being a stolen vehicle out of somewhere down south and uh, uh one of the deputies out and ended up getting behind it they found it got behind it and, and got into a pursuit at this point we still don't know where the little girl's at so they're chasing around there and i started heading out there being the only dog guy working in the county that day um i was flying out there and, and the guy obviously didn't know where he was at because he kept doubling back and they ended up coming back down towards town and I, I finally caught up to him it was a string of five deputy cars and then you know the suspect car and then our sheriff gave me the green light just pass us when you can because they're looking for somebody to pit him do a pit maneuver on him uh, at the time county didn't it wasn't authorized for them. right only nope. your agency could do that at yeah, that time right yeah and yeah so i get it straight away and i gun past all five deputies and took primary and we turn on to this back to the west or to the east and uh, after he got one of his tires spiked there at that intersection and uh, had a window and I start moving in for the for the pit and he actually kind of pitted himself really he moved right back into me and spun himself out and rolled a couple times real low speed roll because he hit the dirt bank and just the momentum flipped his car and he ended up landing on the passenger side and uh, you know I'm yelling at him at a gunpoint you know get your hands up and he puts his hands up and a few seconds later, the little girl's hands come up in the back seat. She was in the back seat the whole time and she's still alive. So that's yeah. just one of those that I'll take to my grave with me. I'll remember that. Yeah, man. He saved that little girl's life. Is yeah. What he did. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he grabbed her, right? Just like randomly. Yeah. He's a knocked stranger grab, right? Yeah. Knocked her, knocked her off her bike with his car. Yeah. Yeah. It's total then, stranger. Yeah. And then ended up doing like, I don't if I recall correctly, like he ended up doing some bad things to her in a short, very short, yeah. short period of time. 30 minutes, yeah. Before the sheriff's office picked him up. Yep. Yeah, I remember when that happened. Yeah. So that's, a cra that's a crazy story. That's a good one. That is. Yeah. I got good in-car video of that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Still have it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, too. <laughs> How long did you have a dog? Six and a half years. 
Oh man. Yeah. So that was just like swing shift and graveyard and that's it, man. Yeah. Yeah. Chased a lot of bad guys. It was fun. Yeah. How many bites? Uh, when he passed away, uh, I went to go get him out of his kennel one night for work and he was dead. Uh, he was 10 and a half year old shepherd. Um, but, uh, I think I had over a hundred, hundred captures with him. Yeah. Wow. So with that being the most memorable pursuit, what's the most memorable dog capture you have? Uh, there's a homicide at a church. Uh, guy basically walks in and executes a guy in the church and, uh, County's dog was out there searching. It was actually happened to be one of our training nights. And, uh, so the County guy was out there searching and just prior to that homicide, they had a robbery and, and, uh, it was an armed robbery. It was a series of robberies that were happening at that time. <clears throat> they was hitting a lot of these small shops. So he was in, in this town looking, searching with his dog and it was hot. It was a hot summer day. And so, and he had a big dog and the homicide comes out. So he goes out to that and he's searching and searching. His dog was getting tired. And, uh, so he calls for me to come out there and I meet up where he, right at the end of his, where he was searching, um, he'd found some evidence and the guy had ditched a backpack. And this was about three miles east of the town up, up, uh, up in the woods, uh, where they found this truck. Um, cause I think a state trooper gave a little bit of a chase and he went up and then bailed and took off up in the woods. So the deputy's up there looking, and, you know, of course his dog's getting tired. So I meet up with him at the last, where he last stopped or right where he stopped searching to pick up from there and get going. And, uh, so we searched and after we left, he left, everybody cleared out and I had a handful of deputies and a couple of state troopers with me as cover because this guy's still armed and, you know, his backpack we found was full of ammo and we start searching and course we wait for the helicopter because they said the helicopter's on its way with Fleer and it proved to be worthless <laughs> uh, he was searching an area that wasn't even remotely close to where we're at you know he just buzzed by us and keep going a couple miles away I was like finally one of the deputies gets on the air and says where are you searching he's like I just going where the coordinates they gave me was well you keep going way past us you're like five miles to the north of us now <laughs> <laughs> So, and I finally got tired of standing out there because now we're at the edge of the timber and the clear cut and we're out in wide open. Yeah. And uh, I finally got tired of waiting. I told the the sergeant that was uh, at the deputy or sheriff's office sergeant, I said, I'm tired of sitting here. I said, we need to get moving because uh, if we're standing here, we're just sitting ducks. So I kicked the dog offline and give him the command and he starts going out ahead of me and I'd stop him about 60 yards in front of us and then we'd work up to him. I'd put him on a down and then we'd clear up to him. And we kind of did that like two or three times. And then we start going up the hill and it's clear cut. And I sent him up the hill and it was almost like the bad guy had a fishing line and was hooked to the dog. Cause the dog's in a straight line running up the hill. And, uh, then I, so I stop him and he's looking down the hill at me, the dog. And I kind of hit with my flashlight to see where he was at. Cause he had a reflective harness on. And I go around this stump, this root ball to get around and start working my way up. And I shine my light again. And all I can see was his ass sticking up in the air and his tail's going hundred miles an hour. And I hear the guy scream and I said, he's on. <laughs> so we run up there and just on, he was on a log. My dog was on a log initially looking down at me. And, uh, when we get there, the guy was on the other side of the log and he had his whole elbow buried in his mouth and was trying to yard him back over that log. And <laughs> he had just ditched the gun when the dog found him because the, the gun that he killed the guy with was, you know, 15 feet from him. And, uh, but yeah, that was, 
That was probably one of my better captures. Three hours after the homicide, he was in custody. So. Right on. Yeah. yeah. This is going into the Shark Week episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you ever been bit at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're not, a, you're not a dog handler unless you've been bit. Okay, I figured. Yeah, uh, even from your own dog. <laughs> now, what kind of dog? You, you guys worked uh, Malinois, is that right? I had a shepherd. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, I had a shepherd. It was a Dutch-trained shepherd. Yeah, he was. It took it took a better part of a year and a half for him and I to come to an understanding because he loved to fight, and if he thought you were challenging him one bit, he's like, "All right, let's go." It was a typical like, "Take off your shirt and let's go fight." <laughs> he liked to fight. <laughs> well, a year and a half. It took a while. Yeah. Well, partly, he was like one of the first Dutch trained dogs that we'd seen in the county. What, so, is, what does that mean? So, what is a Dutch trained dog? So the canines, they come from all over Europe. Uh, you get them German, Czech. Uh, you can even get uh, Israeli trained dogs or Dutch trained dogs. And it's kind of like a discipline, just a different discipline, the way they train them. So like a Dutch trained dog, they like, so I guess to back up a little bit, like a, if you have like a Schutzen, you hear of Schutzen training, it's where they have like um Shitchen competition where dogs are their obedience is real pretty. I mean, they're real attentive to the handler, you know, when they're doing obedience and they're really sharp to, you know, they'll send them on a bite. And as soon as you give them the out command, it's like they spit the sleeve away and they turn around and run the other way. Well, the Dutch train their dogs a little differently. They train their dogs to fight. I mean, it's kind of like kickboxer, you know, the movie kickboxer. All right, we're going in the ring. It's dirty in there, but it's okay. But that's the way they like. They like hard dogs. That's what we call them classify as a hard dog uh, they won't stop fighting some of the some of those dogs i mean you have to choke them out to get them off the bike i mean they're oh, they like man. to fight okay and that, my dog happened to be one of them <laughs> <laughs> how many times do you think you choked your dog out uh i've only probably choked him out a couple of times I, I had to choke him out one time when he was on me but <laughs> <laughs> got me got me seven stitches out of that in the nether regions Ooh. oh oh, <laughs> oh man and it was totally an accident. It wasn't like we were fighting or anything. It was a total fluke. We're getting ready for standards because you have to certify with them every year. And we're doing obedience in a parking lot, just kind of warming up, just going through the motions. And you have to do it all offline. You can't have a leash on them at all to certify. And we're just doing obedience. And part of the obedience is you have to do what's called group obedience. So you'll have uh, three or four guys kind of in a line, you know couple arm lengths apart from each other and all you do is just kind of serpentine with your dog on on a heel basically and just do obedience and the, the point of that is that to make sure your dog's attentive to you and not distracted by anything else when you're doing obedience and pay attention to you so we're doing that well when you make a left hand turn because you can make right hand turns all day long because your dog's on the left side and you're not going to bump to make a left hand turn you kind of nudge him with your knee a little bit and kind of almost like a horse, you know, you kind of push him that way. Well, I go to do that and he kind of just did a little leap in front of me. And when I came down with my left foot, it was right on his back pad, oh. full weight. And I, cause all my weight had shifted forward already. Well, where's his head? It's perfect. <laughs> and, and it was, it was so fast where he, he hit me and it was, it was just like that. And I kicked him back cause I felt it. I kicked him back and he's like, you know, the gloves came off. It's like, okay, let's go. Here he comes, full mouth bite on my arm. He latches onto my arm, you know. And so I choke him out and put him down on the ground and let go of the leash. And he comes back too. 
And he's like, oh, well, I'm sorry, Dad. He comes right to heal real quick. And <laughs> he's all pretty after that. And we healed to the car and put him in the car. And I dropped my boy, my my trousers. I tell the guys, I was like, hey, I'm off to the emergency room. I'll be back. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Fun, fun. What other good dog stories you got for us? Boy. Well, we're training one night, and uh, this is the same dog. that This is pretty early on when I first got him. So we're still trying to figure out this Dutch-trained dog and how they're training. And, you know, so we're doing uh, agitation training where you have a guy in a bite suit or with a sleeve. And we had a, just a small chain-link fence. It's kind of like a protection from because we didn't you don't want to reward them until they're told they can have the reward, right? That's how you reward the dogs. You don't let them get their way. So we're doing it. And the supervisor we had at the time, he was working an electronic collar. Well, he didn't know how to work it. And he's pushing it. And the dog's just sitting there, you know, getting the shit shocked out of him. <laughs> and he keeps moving. He keeps pushing it. Well, he had the damn thing turned all the way up. Well, the next thing I know, I'm getting bit by my own dog because he's trying to figure out where this <laughs> electricity's coming from. The supervisor's over there, keeps pushing the button. I'm like, stop pushing the damn button. <laughs> Yeah, I have a bunch of bruises all over my legs. <laughs> Damn dog. <laughs> you only have one dog? Uh, I did at the time, yeah. I, I was going to get another patrol dog, but I just the direction the team was going at the time, I, I didn't have any desire. I just wanted to work my dog and find bad guys. And, you know, they they wanted to get more bodies on the, the SWAT team. And so, well, we'll just send all the handlers through SWAT school. I'm like, it's a young man's game. I'm done doing that. I just want to hunt hunt people with my dog. And so I just went back patrol. <laughs> so I just hunt them on patrol. <laughs> so do you train the dog then? So we or get them. Or are they already like pre-trained? Yeah, usually you get them from Europe. They already have titles for okay. the most part. Um, so dog dog sports in Europe, it's just like football and baseball in the U.S. It's, it's, it's pretty pretty popular it's like soccer you know in europe um i mean they have clubs all over europe and uh, i actually got a, the opportunity to go back to holland and um actually met the guy that raised my dog it was pretty cool he's he was what they consider an elder in the club didn't speak any english at all and i showed him pictures of his dog you know of the police dog I, I took a folder with me a binder with pictures and captures and work we're doing and he just started crying it was kind of cool you know and uh but yeah just they they get trained and they have competitions just like uh be like world series or and in in dutch the dutch train uh discipline so perfect scores of 440 and they have different ways they they um score them like obedience and water work and bite work that's different scoring uh, so if your dog doesn't score perfect, then you're not invited to the to the nationals or to the to big competitions, the championships. I mean, your dog has to score perfect. I don't know how they distinguish afterwards. And you got all these dogs that score perfect that are competing against each other. Well, they're all perfect. So, <laughs> so I don't know the way they do it. So the dogs that don't, then they they sell them off to the U.S. to police departments or to the military. So they get those dogs that are trained already. You know, they may not be the prettiest in obedience or the prettiest in bite work, and you just, you know, work them in, into police work. Okay. And it costs a lot, about 10 yeah. grand. Oh, 10 wow. 10 grand a dog. Wow. Yeah. 
How old are they about when they're getting sold over? So I recently I've been seeing a lot younger dogs coming into uh, that are coming in to police work, but you like to get them right around four years, four years old or so. They're a little bit more mature, kind of out of that puppy stage, ready where they're tripping over themselves and stuff. So. Okay. So it has, um, other than the four years in corrections, has all your time been in patrol? Have you worked? Yep, just patrol. Yep. Well? Yeah, I mean, I got detached quite a bit to do. You know, if I was working on a case or something like that, I if I didn't have to, I wouldn't send my my cases upstairs. I just work them from patrol. So, oh yeah, as I you mean, should. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I've written so many search warrants from patrol, and you know, got cases, went to trials, sent people to prison. It's just, it's just fun. It's like putting a puzzle together. Right. Yeah, it's it, it's good to be able to do that. <clears throat> yeah. And when you get a little longer in the tooth. Yeah. <laughs> you're able to do that. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you work on our good friends team? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He was one of my supervisors over in the bigger city. I, the bigger agency I worked for. Yeah. It's good guy. Yeah. I yeah. saw him two weeks ago. I saw him two weeks ago. Down yeah. So yeah. Down to those parents. Yeah. Yeah. He's good dude. So one of your guys came over and kicked or chased somebody in a house. And I can't remember what all the details and, uh, he's the supervisor and is there too. And at the time we're all, you know, really good friends. And so the door gets booted and, uh, we go in and, I think they found the dude in like the bedroom or we found the guy in the bedroom, you know, like hiding between the, like upstairs. So now the three of us are standing in this bedroom and for whatever reason, it's like he knew exactly where the shit would be. He goes to this, this, this wicker like box that's got a top with a hinge top on it. So if you can imagine it, it's, it's a, you know, it's like 18 inches or maybe 24 by 24. This box, it's relatively deep. He opens the thing up and he goes, it's all about the little things. And this thing is full of vibrators and dildos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how did you know that was there? And he's like, just kind of shrugs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're doing in our off time. <laughs> yeah it's yeah if people in, in the you know the the lay citizen realize what we've seen over the course of our careers it just they'd be baffled so what's your most memorable uh corrections story like somebody comes in and they've got piercing somewhere or something shoved somewhere or big fight on the yeah. tier or what actually what yeah i mean <clears throat> yet a lot of those stories i mean one of them that i can think of that i tell often is uh one of the guys that used to work at the agency i work for now he I think he works for a federal agency now like a higher up federal agency Kind of a big burly guy. Yeah. Uh, brings this guy one one night. I was working and booking. Brings this guy one in one night. And uh, 
He's like, hey, uh, I, I think this guy's got something hidden in him. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, he's squirming a lot in the back seat. I'm like, all right. So I throw him in a dry cell and it's like, hey, just wait here for a minute. I got some other things I got to do. Just have a seat right there on that bench. No move. I go about doing my other uh, things I had to do. And I come back by and he's standing at the door and, you know, the jail cells uh, had the wooden doors and have a little, you know, six inch by 18 inch window in, in the door. And he's standing there, batteries in one hand and a <laughs> vibrator in the other. And of course I tell him, where the hell did you get that? Because <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing in the cell when I put you in here. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of those stories. <laughs> a lot of those stories? <laughs> oh, all the time, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. We did have one guy who worked segregation quite a bit, too, at the jail. And segregation unit, you know, it's where we have the, the bad guys that like to fight and, you know, play with their feces and those kind of things. And this one guy, uh, probably 110 pounds soaking wet, just a scrawny just foul dude uh you know sex offender type but every time he had the opportunity he would try to assault staff or you know whether it be medical staff or deputy going in there and he'd get aroused by it no <laughs> so, kidding yeah yeah i'd get aroused by it and it was just a, just the dude was just weird you got injured recently right i did yeah so what happened uh was that a Peaceful gathering. <laughs> Being facetious, obviously. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. <clears throat> we're, uh, they're marching around the neighborhood, and we weren't going to allow them to get to the main street, which is a, basically is a highway, uh, just for their safety. We wanted to keep them <clears throat> within the confines of the neighborhood, and they could march all they want. Uh, so we stop them at one point at an intersection and to direct them back into the neighborhood and that's when the shoving starts and i was holding up a barricade and one guy just comes flying from the back of the crowd and kicks the barricade and kind of pushes me back and well i'd had my left leg or i'm sorry yeah my left leg kind of downhill because we're at a pretty steep hill and uh when he pushed it back and you know because i was already flexed out and with just my weight coming back i felt the old calf muscle pop it's out the old rubber band snapping the calf muscle and uh yeah i was couldn't bear any weight on it after that and i'm still having to hold it because we're right in the middle of it you know we're garage sailing bodies backwards and putting handcuffs on them you know and i'm still trying to balance on one foot until finally somebody you know we got them kind of pushed back a little bit and i was like all right i'm, I'm tapping out i can't even stand on my leg anymore <laughs> yeah, so i mean like what like knowing where that took place, which was like nowhere of importance, shall I say? Yeah. <laughs> that, um, what, and I saw some of that on video. Yeah. Like what, what, like what, what was their deal? Like what you can, no. we can edit if you say something. Oh, the whole deal is that we weren't allowing them. We're, we're um, uh, we're impeding on their rights by not allowing them to go down this road is basically the gist of it. Uh, basically cause we're telling them what to do. They didn't like that. That's yeah. what it boils down to. I saw yeah. one uh, and I 
you don't say who it is, but I saw a video of like one one chick grab one of the guy's batons and man, it was awesome. Like he hauled off and punched her right in the face. Yep. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was, I saw that video as yeah, well. That was spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the expression on her face afterwards. And if you saw it enough times, you saw it, you know, she just kind of steps back like did he just fucking hit me? Kind of, <laughs> kind of look on her face, you know. It's like I don't know. It's like I don't, I don't understand <laughs> why people would think that if they went to one of these things, whether your intent was actually to be peaceful, yeah, or your intent was to do what happened, yeah, that if you're gonna go, like you're probably there's a high probability you're gonna get hurt <laughs> yeah. or hit with an impact projectile, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I don't understand the thinking there. Yeah. I don't either. <laughs> you know, just, you know, just, you know, we get notification of these protests over and over again. And it's like, you know, on your day off, you're having to come in just to deal with their nonsense. You know, it's like, when's it going to end? Who knows? How much <laughs> money do you think you've made off these things? Well, God, I don't know. I mean, some of them, you know, I was on duty and then some of them, you know, it was all overtime and, that overtime rate. I mean, I'm sure the city paid out a lot of money for all. Basically, the entire department's called in. So, oh no, kidding. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of. That's a lot of money. Yeah, no kidding, right? Oh well, it's not my money. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it like being it is now? Yeah, I guess it is now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is now, right? I know. So what's it like being married to another law enforcement professional? Of course, you know, not in the patrol side of it, or she's more in a it side of it so it's a little bit different no but it's been good um you know it's it's kind of nice having somebody that uh knows a little bit about what you you deal with out on the streets and what you go through and kind of a, a sounding board yeah so oh speaking of that speaking of her so she she posts when all this shit's going on in the summer yeah she posted a letter you guys got from oh yeah the neighbor uh-huh. yeah let's 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 talk about that yeah so all these peaceful gatherings are going on and uh one of them happened to uh march right by my house uh, i was texting with a friend of mine and he was kind of at the tail end of it just keeping tabs of it and uh he says we're coming down your street and so i flipped my cameras on on my phone and sure shit, the whole mob is right in front of my house. And, and I told you know, one of the commanders just prior to that, I said, if because I knew they were out in my neighborhood. I said, if they come onto my property or destroy anything of mine, I'm probably going to lose my job because I'm not going to tolerate it. And uh, so I'm watching and they never, they stayed on the sidewalk. They, they stayed in the street. And then about two, three weeks after that, <clears throat> I uh, got a letter in the mail and it wasn't like somebody sent it from, you know, from another city or another town and mailed it to me, no stamp on it, no address. And it just, uh, what did it say on the front of it? Uh, it said something about uh, racist Nazi on the front of it or something like that to that effect. And yeah, like, cause you're extremely Caucasian. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is this? So I open it up, you know, and I read it, you know, it's, 
Yeah, it's talking about, you know, your blue line flag is racist and, you know, you're, uh, you know, you violate people's rights and just going on and on, you know, and I feel sorry for your, for your, your wife and your kids. So obviously they know I'm, I have a wife and kid at home, you know, so it's pissed me off. Oh yeah. I'm like, so I posted on, there's a, a neighborhood group, uh, app that you have, you know, it's kind of like a neighborhood watch, but and I posted a picture of it on there and I just basically just, you know, if you'd like to sit down with me and I can educate you on the difference between, a, you know, the blue line flag and what it actually means and versus what you think it means. And, you know, but otherwise, if if you don't have if you have a different agenda, then I suggest you keep your ass off my property and don't come back here. There's going to be repercussions. Right. <laughs> of course, you know. They're cowards. They're not going to come out. And they never, no, nobody ever showed up. But, but about a week later, there was a note just left in my mailbox. And like a, almost like a, like our notebooks that we carry to write notes in. Yeah. Just one single sheet of paper in there. And it said, uh, you racist bootlicker. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who it was. Nobody ever came forward. Nobody probably will. Well, it looked like the writing of a third grader, I mean. Yeah. But uh, it did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, and if it was, you know, I, I kind of, you kind of feel sorry for them because they're just following an agenda that, you know, maybe their parents are, you know, imposing on them and, you know, shoving down their throat so they don't really know any different. Uh, but <laughs> on the other hand, it, could be somebody that's trying to pose as a third a third grader or whatever you know writing it out who knows so what's it like now supervising the guys that you were working with um it's 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 fun i mean it's still a learning experience you know and i you know and i tell even when i was still working patrol and i was an ftl i tell my recruits hey you know i try to learn something every day even though i've been at it for so long um you know, I don't necessarily learn something new, but I try, you know, try to keep a positive outlook on the job. Cause I mean, this job is, is hard enough as it is, unless you can laugh at it or try to find new things with it. Um, but it's it, it kind of backpedaling a little bit. Uh, the crew I was working with before I got promoted, every one of them was about the age of my daughter, my oldest daughter. <laughs> so, oh, is that right? so a couple of them would show up on calls. Hey dad, how's it going? You know, it's kind of funny. It was like a running joke, but yeah, <laughs> a lot of them were around the same age as my daughter. It's like pretty funny, but no, it's a good group of guys I work with. And then a lot of them are just go getters. So it kind of fuels you a little bit, you know, re-energizes the batteries and kind of keeps you going. And so you look out for them and you look out for the crew you work for and work with and make sure that you kind of, that buffer barrier for them, you know, and then give them the tools they need to do their job and just keep them within the confines of the binders and make sure they're doing anything right and go forward. So do you show up on call, you show up on their calls just to see? I do. And I, and I tell them, you know, like, um, you know, any high stress call, like a pursuit or something like that, it ends with the felony car stop. I said, when I show up, I'm not taking your call away from you. I said, I'm coming up because I'm an extra pair of hands. I'm like, I'm going to help you if it, wherever you need me to help. Uh, for instance, we had one just a few nights ago, uh, pursuit uh, ended down in the county. A uh, person had just ended up stopping and giving up. 
And so by the time I get out there, because I was at the station still, and I got out there and I show up, I said, what do you need? They're doing a felony car stop. You know, everything was smooth. And so I just was directing traffic. So, I mean, just little things, you know, just help them out just so they can accomplish whatever tasks they're, they're having to do. So, so yeah, I, I go to their call and I tell them that. So I'm not coming to take your call. I'm just going to come and see where I can help and just kind of see how things are going. That's, I've, you know, I've never been a proponent of being a micromanager or being micromanaged. So that's just not my style. Yeah. I could, I could see that with you. Yeah. That, yeah. He'd be a good, he'd be a good guy to work for. Yeah. I remember the first time a sergeant showed up on my call just to show up just like, like he hadn't worked with us. Then uh, me and another guy that uh, he's, I think he still works there. Um, yeah. He, he never worked with us <clears throat> and he just wanted to see what we're all about. And we're all this, we're both on the same call and he just showed up and we were like, shit, what do we do? <laughs> like what yeah. if we, we already fucked up? <laughs> <laughs> did you say something on the radio? I know, like, yeah. how, how did he know? Like, nah, but he, he was just like, nah, just came out to see what was it all about. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the way I work it, too. I like to get out there and get dirty every once in a while, too. So. <laughs> it keeps the job interesting. When was the last time you got in a scuffle with somebody? Recently? Or? Uh, it's probably been... About six six months ago or so, uh, just before I got promoted, I uh, went and covered another officer. To he had a restraint order violation. Uh, he had PC to arrest the guy. So we knock on this apartment, and the guy's you know silent, but we hear footsteps in there. So I go around back. It's second story apartment. So I go around back to watch the balcony, and you know the sliding glass door opens real slow. And, Somebody's sneaking out and shuts it, and then they go and sit down in the corner. And I'm standing below them, you know. I was like, hey, why don't you go back up and open the door? Oh, it's not my apartment. I'm like, okay, well, tell your buddy who's in there to go open the door. We're not leaving. Okay. He goes back in. And by that time, the other officer, the primary officer's in the front. He goes, I'm out with involved at the front door. So, of course, I go upstairs, and, and it's one of those apartments where the door is right at the top of the stairs and it's to the right the door is so you don't have a whole lot of room at the landing there so we're talking to the guy and you know he's he's stalling and the officer's saying hey you know tell me about you know going over to so-and-so's house and they're calling over there and texting well we're just trying to communicate you know so right away he admits that he violated the restraining order and he goes so what what days he's asking officers what day was that again he goes it was on the, it was on this date, and the guy goes, "All right, well let me let me think about it. I'll do some research and I'll call you back and let you know if I was actually there." So he's like <laughs> trying to backpedal, and so the officer says, "No, you know you're under arrest. You you know you need to open the door." And he was kind of half doing the one shoulder and head out the door talking to us, you know. And so the officer pushes the door open, and grabs hold of him, and starts to yard him out. And well, the guy was able to slip an arm and the officer almost tumbled down those stairs because he'd missed his step, you know, missed his footing and started about to go down those stairs. And so I grabbed the guy by the shirt and I got him in a kind of a guillotine and I'm holding, I'm picking him up. I said, you better get your hands behind your back. You're under arrest or you're going to go to sleep. <laughs> and he's like, 
he's like, you know, he's trying to hit me and I'm just squeezing tighter and tighter. And about this time, the other officer gets his footing and grabs a hold of the guy and pulls him while the heel of my boot catches on the threshold of the door. So backwards I go. <laughs> and I still got this guy wrapped up tight in the guillotine and, you know, bounces his forehead off the concrete, you know, and splits his forehead. <laughs> but I'm holding on. I was like, get your hands back. He goes, I can't breathe. I'm like, well, you're going to go to sleep in a minute. You better get your hands. He finally gets his hands in and we hook him, you know, and that's like, but when you're fighting in full uniform and you're struggling with somebody or wrestling around with somebody, I tell you the next day you feel it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't take very much fighting either, but, uh, that's probably the last one, the real last uh, struggle kind of, you know, scrap I got into. Man. Fucking too old for that shit, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The next day you get up and you feel like you got hit by a truck. <laughs> yeah. Don't heal like you used to. That's for sure. <laughs> Those guys. So, so my dad, those guys would always tell like they would choke people out like left and right. And the agency you're working for now, they would also do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Choke people out left and right. Right. And so this, <clears throat> this guy that my dad worked with, but that guy went to Boise, but they would occasionally see each other and he would come back and tell these hilarious police stories, you know, to us about choking people out. Yeah. There's a couple guys that I work with that are working this agency now that, man, they're, they get that in quick and tight and they're done. Yeah. And if you do it right. Yeah. Like nobody gets hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's when you, unfortunately it's when you fuck it up. That, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it fucks everything up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How many people have you choked out? I, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever actually got anybody choked out. I usually had them give up pretty quick. Uh, but you know, I've hit people with my flashlight. I've, you know, punched them. And of course, when I had the dog, the dog would just hold on to them for me. And <laughs> What's the funniest dog story you have? Uh, funniest one? Well, so the narcotics team, you know, back in the day, they, yeah. uh, they were chasing a guy around up the north end of town in the bigger agency I worked for. And this guy just goes down the, the highway there, basically ghost rides his truck going westbound and jumps over the barrier. And, and uh, so I get there and get the dog out and tells me, I saw him go through this field and head right towards this, this brush area. I'm like, okay. So I had a pretty good perimeter set up and I take the dog over there and we start walking around and walking around and he's really animated around this little chain link enclosure, but the blackberries are probably five feet tall, but you can see where they're just smashed down right in a perfect line where somebody had just gone through them and a the dog really wanted to go through there. So I cut a hole in the fence and dog pulls me right through and we start going and it kind of comes up this little opening and we, you know, as I'm pulling old growth, blackberry thorns out of my arms, got the dog on a leash and, I see the shoe sticking out from underneath the blackberries. <clears throat> of course, I announce, you know, police, the police dog, you need to come out, show me your hands, or I'm going to send the dog. Nothing. I, I could tell the shoe's attached to a body. <laughs> so I'm like, give him another couple warnings and nothing. So I start feeding the leash in and just to where the dog grabs onto his foot and holds onto him. And I just start reeling the, f <laughs> I'm just dragging this guy out and he's just screaming. <laughs> he was one of the guys uh, that they're looking at for a bunch of dope and 
but yeah. I feel like I've heard that story I'm before. I'm like, I'm just going to fish you right on out. I'm just going to call the boy right on out. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I've had guys in pursuits. Uh, they jump on the bike path and, you know, it's a train of police cars following this beat up Honda or whatever it is on the bike path and anchors it and jumps in the river. So I get there at the dog and put a 30 foot lead on him. I'm like, you better start swimming back towards, towards the shore or I'm going to send the dog out there. And I'd send the dog and I'd stop him about, you know, 15 feet from the guy and pull him back. He's like, I'm coming out. Don't send him. <laughs> you know, the dog's biting the water, trying to get to him, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we don't catch the smart ones. No, no that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, this job definitely has some good memories, that's for sure. Yeah, lots of good people. Yeah. Lots of bad ones, too. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> God. So, so let's hear another dog story, man. Uh, like, people love dog stories. Shit. Yeah, I know. I know they do. <laughs> and pursuits. And pursuits. Yeah. Um, and those kind of go together. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, well, when I came over to this agency that I'm working for now, you know, they didn't have a pit policy and I actually got to do two pits without a policy. So it's kind of, <laughs> kind of fun. And, and you didn't get in trouble? <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, supervisors told me to, so I did it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I've had, I've had 10 total on the street pit. So, um, uh, you know, eight with the previous, previous agency and two here, um, now I run, I'm a supervisor EVOX, so I'm, and we actually got a policy to pit now. So, oh, good. Yeah, we've trained everybody up, and um, that's a lot of fun doing pit training. Um, so yeah. What is that, spinning somebody out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like from the back tire or something like that? Yeah, it's a technique for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> the only, well, at the time, your agency was the only agency that could do it. Yeah. And I was with this... Uh, before you start into your pursuit story, I guess I get to tell one that ends with a pit. On accident. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Hang on. <laughs> so we are the shops, the city shops were well, you know where they're at, right? So you mm -hmm. have to like when you go you go get a car at the beginning of sometimes you'd have to pick up a car because Daywatch had dropped it off. And so we're uh so another guy and piles in the car with me i'm driving and we're uh and i was like and it was one of those um like we're two blocks from the station and i'm like we're both like hey look at that car that's a good stop right and so we ride at city hall light it up and it, it's on right so we go into the unincorporated area that's west of town mm -hmm. we go through there you know and uh come around and come back and this is back when <clears throat> crown vix just came out and if you remember they were an underpowered complete piece of shit yeah right with the gearing was all wrong and yeah. everything like that they're just terrible cars and this uh like <laughs> dodge aries k car was like could like pull away from us <laughs> like, i'm not even kidding you yeah know? so we're going through all these corners and <clears throat> you know and whatnot and i remember saying to the guy that was with me, I was like, man, I wish we could do the thing. Cause like right at these corners, you know, we just like yeah. take care of it. So we go into, it seems like we go back into our city and then we go to, uh, we go by the universe, go in by the university. And, uh, 
there's buildings there now, but it's drive through the grass and stuff, you know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's, we pull into this parking lot and I'm like, that thing's, there's nowhere to go. So he's going to get out and run. Well, he didn't. He just like drove up in the grass, you know, <laughs> and like drove through that whole, that whole <laughs> lawn back out onto, we followed him. There's like, it was awesome. <laughs> back into our city and then back to back west and so we hit the same intersection and tvis him or pits him <laughs> fucking t-bones this dude man <laughs> tactical vehicle intervention yeah <laughs> t-bones this motherfucker man <laughs> that was awesome <laughs> i put it into it it did it totally put it into yeah. it he'd been doing like shotgun robberies and over in oh yeah Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like I was mentioning earlier that pit of that kidnapping little girl is probably the highlight. Um, but see, I've done two, three for county. I've done a couple for the agency I work for now. Back then, when I worked for the bigger agency, I've uh, done a couple for this agency now. But yeah, if I get the green light, I'm there. It's fun. The funny thing is, is the reaction of the offender's face when they're facing the wrong way and their car's dead. And they're just like, what the hell just happened? You know, I did one for, uh, for this agency before when I worked for the other agency, I was monitoring and they're in a pursuit. And so I wait for them at the interchange of interstate five. And I kind of pull alongside the pursuit. I said, told the, the canine guy who was in the lead, I said, Hey, let me take number one. I'll pit him for you and get ready to get your dog out. He's like, perfect. <laughs> so we go and we get off the freeway and comes up to the first light and he goes to make a right-hand turn and I tap him and he spins 360 and now he's facing all the patrol cars that were just chasing him. He's just sitting there stalled out and it's a little like a Datsun, you know, pickup truck, little beater. And he just, he was just so mesmerized by all the lights. He couldn't even move. He was just kind of like just standing with his hands up, you know, to the sides of the steering wheels. Like what the fuck just happened? <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's funny watching their expressions after you get them like that. <laughs> it's funny. Like all the shit you forget. Oh, God. Yeah. I just, while you were telling that story, I just had another one pop in my head about <laughs> upper, I was with a recruit. And uh, we got in a pursuit that went over into your side of town. And um, I think he, he must have been driving. And we lost him, but I found him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just like that. that I totally forgot about that till just now. That recruit you're talking about, is he, was he a canine handler? Uh-huh. Well, he's a supervisor now. Oh, yeah, is he? He got promoted too. But yeah. I think I heard that story from... From him. Oh, from him? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't remember. Goes, all yeah, I kept going on the radio and I kept getting yelled at. He's like, just fucking drive. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear his, uh, his, I'd love to hear his version of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> did I say that to him? <laughs> I probably did. <laughs> don't worry about the damn radio. Just fucking drive or something like that. <laughs> that sounds about right. Well, we, he got, I don't remember why, but he got stuck with me for like five or six weeks. And I don't know what the reason was. And it wasn't like his fault. Like he was fine. Yeah. 
you know, and, but he did. So we were like, we were together like, and one, he was nothing, nothing against him. Cause he's, he's awesome. And I love him. Yeah. But when he, when we were done, I was like, fuck man, thank God you're out of my car. Yeah. Like, I, I would say that with anybody. Right? Oh yeah. I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was FTO for a long time. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like you almost have to reteach yourself once you get back. And it's like, Jesus, <laughs> that was rough five weeks or whatever. <laughs> FTO stories, man. Yeah, you, you have any yeah. fucked up FTO or uh, fucked up recruits? Ah, uh, God. Well, yeah, I do have one. When I was working for the bigger agency, I was actually just subbing for one of the FTOs. That was another FTO that was on my same shift. He was happened to have a couple of weeks off. He was hunting or something, and so I took his recruit for him. And uh, this poor kid was struggling, you know, quite a bit. Uh, mainly, his driving was horrendous, just horrendous. And so we're driving around town and I try to, you know, keep him on streets that weren't quite as busy so he can work on his driving and, you know, driving ahead and you know, learning how to keep, you know, your eyes up and driving, driving in the future, kind of like they tell you when you're doing you know, your tests and stuff and driver training. So I'm just doing basics with this guy, just trying to get him comfortable. And he was kind of behind anyways, because he'd only been driving for a couple of years uh, came from another country and had just re- recently got his driver's license. Jesus. So, yeah. Smart kid, but had no business being a cop. So <laughs> we're driving along and I was like, all right, let's, let's head back towards, you know, downtown area. And so he turns the corner and we're going by this grocery store where there's quite a bit of transient traffic. And these two transients were walking across the street and they're they kind of basically left the sidewalk right at the entrance to this parking lot of this grocery store. And they're about just crossed over the yellow line and he zooms past them. Doesn't even slow down to, you know, he's probably doing 35, 40, you know, just zooms past them. I'm like, so what do you, what's the law say about people crossing the road? Well, you're supposed to stop. I'm like, yeah, you're not supposed to do 40 past them. I said, what if this dude dropped his beer and it rolled back? And he's like, you know, a transient's in their beer, rolls back and goes back, and you just tattoo this guy in the head with your bumper. Then what? I said, I'd be arresting you for killing the guy. <laughs> I was like, this was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back with this kid. And I said, let's head over to the 7-Eleven and get something to drink. And I said, you wait in the car. I went in the store and called the supervisor. I said, yep, I'm about to have the heart to heart talk with this guy. I don't know if you want to be with me or not. <laughs> so I get my, my stuff and we get in the car and I said, all right, let's go to the training center just down the road. And so we park and we're going back in the secure parking area and I get out and I just go and sit up on the hood of the car. I just put my hand, you know, hand on my face and he comes out and he goes, Oh, what's going on? I said, what you're in the guard, right? You're in the, in the military. Yeah. What do you do there? He's like, well, I help, you know, reintegrate troops when they're coming back and work in the HR. And I said, do you like that? He goes, I love helping people. I love helping those guys out. And I was like, you ever think about doing that full time? (laughs) (laughs) I said, because this job's not for everybody. And I said, you're just not getting it. And of course, you know, you have the the grown man crying in your car or crying next to you, you know, as you're explaining stuff to him. I said, no, let's just head back to the station and. He didn't last too much longer after that, but, but you know, it's, it's true though. I mean, it's like this job isn't for everybody and it takes a, it takes a rare breed to do it. That's for sure. 
That's for sure. I had it. I had this guy. He was like, I think he was an officer in the military. And uh, he would talk down to people at traffic stops. I think he was in like the second phase. So he was driving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, I mean, the rules are you can either chew them out or give them a ticket, but you can't do both. Mm-hmm. And he was fucking doing both of them, you know. And I was like, every, like every night I came home and I wanted to tear my fucking hair out of my head. Yeah. <laughs> trying to figure out like, you know, either what do you do to fix them? Yeah. Or what am I going to do to get rid of them? <clears throat> well, thank God I hurt myself during SWAT training. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> And I actually had to be off, and he went to somebody else, and they got rid of him. Good. <laughs> I have another uh, FTEP story. I had this, I had this gentleman, nice guy, <clears throat> retired drill sergeant in the military, Marines. So you know he's got a, you know, probably a perception that he's kind of a hard ass, and this guy couldn't find his way around town to save his ass. I mean, it, it's interesting though. You, you get people from the military. So military folks are are like they know from A to B. You know, their commanders say, All right, we're gonna march from here to here and we're gonna deploy from there. So they can do that. When police work, it's it's multitasking. You're doing a lot of a lot of shit at the at the same time. You know, you're listening to the radio, you're looking at your MDT sometimes or uh, you're trying to look at street signs or stop and look at a map real quick to figure out where you're going. So there's a lot of input in the old brain. And this guy could not, you know, he could tell you to drop and give him a hundred pushups or whatever, but well, he, we had a call one time, just a welfare check. And it happened to be on the same street we we're driving on at the, at the time. So he pulls up to the stop sign, opens up, writes down the address. Because, you know, when you're training, you, you don't get to use a computer because you have to learn how to use a map and write stuff down. Oh, no shit? Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> At least my recruits in first phase, they didn't get to use a computer. So he writes the address down, pulls out his map, and he's looking. He goes, okay, all right, here's the street. It's okay, okay, here's a cross street. He goes, all right, if I go this way, and he'd write it down. If I go this way, all right. <laughs> the fucking house is a block behind us, right? <laughs> So I'm like, all right, you got it? <laughs> he goes, yep, good to go. Puts his map away. Take a right-hand turn and take a left-hand turn. Pretty soon we're about two miles away from where we need to be because we're going the opposite direction. <clears throat> I'm like, why don't you pull over for a second? He goes, oh, okay. He goes, I think I'm just about there, though. I was like, just pull over for a second. <laughs> I said, do you remember what 100 block we're at, the stop sign, when you're looking at your map? Oh, yeah, I think we're like in the 600 block. I was like, and how do addresses grow in the city? They get bigger as we go to the north. Yeah. What was the address? It was like five, 502. I'm like, well, that would mean that it was behind us, right? Yeah. Blinker comes on. He makes a U-turn, you know? It's like, how hard is it to look where you're at? Look at the street sign. We're stopped right next to it. Look at the 100 block. He's like, well, shit, it's right behind us. It's like common sense stuff. Oh, God. As a new guy, that's... They don't have that yet. No. No, where are we at? Eh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's one of the things is evoc we've been discussing because we review all the pursuits uh we do a critique of them every quarter the past pursuits and you know look for any training issues or any policy changes that we need to change or something to clarify and uh, one of the things is um uh, they're when they're transmitting a pursuit because when you're in a pursuit of a car you got to keep the supervisor updated with you know direction of travel speeds road conditions traffic conditions and how the asshole's driving the bad guy and a lot of those pieces some of those pieces are getting missed when they're yeah, i mean it, it's pretty high stress because i mean you're driving you know 80 100 miles an hour chasing somebody well it's just one of the training things that we need to work on so you know one of the things i'm going to implement when we do pit recertification in the spring is uh we're gonna do some commentary driving and everybody's like what i'm like hey it's just like going to range and getting going back to basics when you're working on your trigger pull or we're just gonna go back we're gonna do 15 20 minute drive out in the country and you're gonna tell us what you're seeing i love it <laughs> kind of get the brain working again it's like oh shit this is what i need to say to I said, because there's, you know, key pieces of information that it's not getting relayed to the supervisors because we have to continually assess pursuits because they're high liability. And because uh, we're looking for reasons to terminate them because they're dangerous, you know, inherently dangerous, but unless we're getting the right information and everything. And one of the big things is that the officers call them under when they're calling out a pursuit, you know, if they're just like, Oh my God. And, and, uh, uh, you know, you can tell that they're way overloaded. It's time to, it's time to stop. Cause you're going to crash. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, yeah. That's fun. I like doing evoc training. It's so much fun. That's a great a idea. I love it. Yeah. What? So speaking of stress, do you find that the higher stress you're in, like the calmer you get. Um, I, yeah, I find myself that way. Uh, I've never really been a, a really high stress kind of high strung kind of person anyway. So I find it fairly easy to control my stress pretty quickly. If, you know, in a situation, you might, you might have that initial shot of adrenaline where you can feel it, but you know how to, you know, control it to where you can switch it. And it's like, all right, take a deep breath. And then you just kind of roll right into it, you know? that's kind of a a self-taught way i mean you have to no i mean that's yeah that's exactly what uh that's exactly what you have to do yeah but if you can't handle that then (laughs) yeah it's time to think about doing something else (laughs) well you wouldn't be doing this for as long as you've been doing it yeah you couldn't handle it right yeah yeah i remember talking with uh somebody that works for a different agency now that worked for ours and he seems like, oh man, higher the stress, the calmer I get. And I read about, I read that in Chris Kyle's book actually also. Oh and yeah. There was a paragraph or something about that same thing. It was, of course, two different stresses, but yeah. it's still stress, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. And then stress just does weird things to the body too. You know, that Such as? S- well, just some people just don't realize it, that they're, doing something that oh, I didn't do that. Well, yeah, you did. You just didn't see it. You're just so overloaded or, you know, they don't think about it uh, because the stress is just so overwhelming to them that they don't realize they're doing that. Like um, I had an incident with a recruit where we tried to arrest a guy. I uh, was wanted. Um, they go to put hands on him and uh, out of his, and he sh- 
shoves his hand in his pocket and out comes a box knife and he opens it all in one motion. She never saw that. And it's just the stress and of just wanting to go hands on. I, you know, we get a rock in the box. Somebody got a warrant custody, you know, and completely missed that. You know, it's just like, you said that was a recruit. Yeah. I remember one of the first, cause like when I first got on SWAT, all we did were search warrants. Like there was, I don't know why, but there was never any like actual call outs, at least not for a while. So <clears throat> I can remember one of the guys said, so, you know, we did the thing and did the warrant. He goes, one of the things you'll find is that like when you go in the door, all you can see is you basically have tunnel vision because you're so like amped, you know, mm -hmm. it's like this first thing you do. And then the longer you do it, like the more the more things you'll start to see, and he was totally right. Oh yeah, you know it's just your ability to manage that stress. And if you've never been in any under un in wow, do we need to open that other bottle? <laughs> if you've never been under any, yeah, then you you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Well, and you see that too with like with recruits when you're driving and, you know, they're later in, in their FTEP stages, but they're still learning how to manage that stress. And, um, they, uh, you know, if you're, if you're running coat somewhere and it's like, shit, did you see that? No. It's like, how'd you miss it? You know, it's like, it's right there. Uh, or the address or next thing you know, you're parked right in front of the house that you're not supposed to be parked in front of yeah. or stuff like that. You know, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Cause they're just. They're so focused and, you know, adrenalized with having to run lights and sirens and they're doing all that multitasking that, you know, they miss things. And it's just because of that, that stress overload. That, well, it, there is an incredible amount of multitasking that you have to do. Yeah. You know, radio, listen to the radio traffic, pay attention to where you're at, pay attention to what's going on in front of you. Yeah. You know, uh, so, and then, you know, and then to make things worse they like i don't know how it is now but like the details are coming on the screen yeah so you're trying to read drive listen yeah. to the radio well, they're still um they still uh give out the pertinent information over the air so everybody can hear it you know whether it's pertaining to weapons and you know history of the guy or girl whoever we're dealing with they're still airing all those pertinent information you know in, if information details out so everybody can hear them it's just all the other filler stuff that they're i mean they're putting that stuff in the computer as well but it's just all the other filler bullshit stuff that they have to put in and the call details that right you don't need to necessarily read right then but it's a lot of shit you have to do <laughs> and still make a good decision and still yeah because everybody's got a camera <laughs> they're all filming your, your shit all the time nowadays god yeah that a common thing you have to deal with now what's that at calls people having cameras whipped out everywhere oh yeah yeah it's it's almost automatic especially if it's a you know a call that um several officers are there and you know if we had to run lights and sirens to get there and you know yeah it's camera phones are out right away you guys have body cams yet or get not yet we're getting them it's coming yeah, first of the year hmm. yeah That'll change the way some people do business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't bother me. I used them in the my previous agency, and yeah. it doesn't bother me one bit. I still do police work the way I was trained from day one. So, right. 
Just like I said, just keep, you got to keep them between the binders and you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> the binders are the RS. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> exactly what you're talking about. Well, dude, man, thanks for doing this. Yeah, it's been We've fun. Got some good stuff. The Snitch Podcast is dedicated to preserving the verbal stories of modern day police officers. Your stories in your own words. If you're interested in being part of this multimedia project, please contact us at the snitch podcast at gmail.com. All right, let's do it again. Cool. <laughs> what is it? The year of the Chinese dumpster fire or the year of the, the- chi- the Chinese Chinese New Year. Is so the, the Chinese year. dumpster fire would be like the year of the Chinese. <laughs> That's I the say, one not to say. If I say it's the year of the Chinese dumpster fire, it's still the year of the Chinese dumpster fire. And then you're like, not to be confused with. No, because the Chinese, wait, the year of the Chinese dumpster fire would be like. If I say it's the year of the Chinese dumpster fire and you're like, not to be confused with the year the Chinese year of the dumpster fire. But that's the right one. Right. That's the right one. <laughs> so now, if I'm like, now you have me confused. So if I, I'm going to say it's the Chinese year, no, the, the year, the year of the Chinese dumpster fire. And you're going to be like, no, it's the Chinese year of the dumpster. Okay. Fire. So I'm going to correct you yeah, on it. There. Right. Okay. <laughs> the okay. Chi- okay. So okay, you're, so you're the Chinese. So it's like the Chinese year of the monkey. Yeah. Okay, and, and I'm gonna be you're like the rat or you're the bull. Yeah, and I'm, it's not you're the Chinese bull. <laughs> <laughs> it's the year the Chinese dumpster fire. <laughs> Welcome back to the Snitch Podcast, episode seven. It's the first episode of 2021. It's January second today, but it's not the Chinese New Year yet, so it's still the Chinese year of the dumpster fire. Yeah, you said it right there. Oh damn it. <laughs> You're the Chinese dumpster fire. Okay. Take whatever. Yep. <laughs> Welcome back to the Snitch Podcast, episode seven. It's the first episode of 2021. It's January 2nd. We have not been blah, 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 blah. 